You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hi guys, you're very welcome along to episode 73 of the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. This week, Overtime Ireland has went global column. Thanks to you being in San Diego. Hopefully the weather's quite warm over there. Yeah, DJ, let's just say it's the, the first time that I've had to record this outside and baking temperatures, trying to get a little bit of shade here just to, to talk with you for the show and what's up the game. Yesterday's down in San Diego against the Seahawks and uh, let's just say I was glad we were under a little bit of shelter there too. I think some people will have uh, quite a bit of sunburn that were out in the out in the open yesterday but we had a little bit of shade so really enjoyed that one. Come as always, we'll start off the show by giving a shout out to our friends over there at Last Word on Sports for all your sports information. Be sure to check out their website. Yeah, great stuff over there, Last Word on Sports. Check out their Twitter handle at Last Word the NFL season. DJ, as always, too, you're doing a fantastic job. Well, I'm away updating the Overtime Ireland website. Sure, and check that out with all the latest stories going up from our pile of group of writers there and that's Overtime Ireland if you're not already I don't know why you wouldn't be make sure you're following us on Twitter it's at Overtime Ireland but DJ as always we'd love to get the, the plugs out of the way we get them done early in the show that's the plugs out of the way and delighted to be joined as it's done by Jeff Reinbold many people know him from the Sky Sports NFL coverage he's also with the Hamilton Tiger Cats I caught up with him a few days back to talk about some of the things going on around the NFL and he was in a intensive meeting room for Hamilton Tiger Cats after one of their games so call up with him we'll just get him on the show right now in the OTI Red Zone The OTI Red Zone presented by OvertimeIreland.com Joined now on the podcast by Jeff Reinbull Jeff's currently coaching up in Canada with the Hamilton Tiger Cats he's coaching their special teams and he's actually the most regular guest here that we've had on the Overtime Ireland podcast I'm sure that's something that he's going to put down in his CV but thanks a lot Jeff for coming back on to take the time to talk with us Put it in my CV. I'm advertising that. I might <laughs> I take out a full-page ad. We usually talk to you about some of the current events in the league, but today we're going to talk a little bit more about the coaching side of things. And You've coached all around the world. You've coached uh, at the college level, NFL Europe, up in Canada, as I mentioned. and Just uh, coaching all the positions you have coached, have you a position in particular that is your favorite? Uh, that's a tough question. I, I think um, each is kind of its own different kind of fun and uh but coaching the special teams is unique because you get a chance to work with players from every position group on the team and that's that's really the only coaching position where you get a chance to coach the offensive linemen the running backs the linebackers the safeties everybody and uh that's one of the reasons why i think it's so valuable and so so good uh really a a good way to learn the game and and also to be a head coach you know you look at surprises me that there aren't more head coaches in in the national football league that came up as a special teams coach yeah john harbaugh down in baltimore mm-hmm. he was a, a special teams coach and he's proven his worth in the nfl of course winning that marty, super bowl two years ago yeah marty schottenheimer got started that same way too yeah, so maybe we'll see jeff reinbold following that there hopefully up to the super bowl <laughs> i don't know about that i think that ship has passed but we'll see. <laughs> i mentioned um Coaching different positions, wide receiver and special teams is two of your, you know, the ones that you've coached most throughout your 30-year coaching career. There's different techniques, obviously, involved in coaching them. Can you explain to the listeners some of the differences in coaching, say, a wide receiver group versus coaching the special teams unit? 
Well, every, every like I say, every position group has its own separate techniques, and even to a certain degree, a, a different they respond to a different style of coaching. And uh, you know, receivers by nature, personality-wise, tend to be a little bit different kind of guy, just like secondary players are. And uh, you know, they say that the most <clears throat> labor-intensive or high-maintenance positions to coach are the secondary and and the, the receivers, but. You know, it's really about breaking the game down and, and identifying the individual techniques that every player needs at that position. When you coach, you really are servicing the players. You're serving the players. You're trying to help them grow and get better and maximize their talent. And, you know, I, I think that's what most young coaches really have to come to grips with as they get it started in the profession. The, the idea, and Mark Trestman used to say it all the time, we're here to serve the players. You mentioned Mark Trestman, he's done a fantastic job down in Chicago, but you also talked about the, the different areas of special teams, and special teams is an area sometimes that I know it's something that you're very passionate about, it's sometimes forgotten, fans don't think about it maybe in the role that they should, but as it, people forget about it sometimes in the Super Bowl again, we talked about it prior to the Super Bowl, Jeff, and I mentioned the possibility of a big return or something to change that game, the game had kind of already been out of hand at this stage, but it really was finished off with Harvin returning that kickoff for a touchdown at the start of the second half. How important is special teams to the game, in your opinion? Well, I, the game has always been and always will be. As it changes the ebb and flow of the game, you know, it was once a power running game, now it's a wide open throwing game. But the game still comes down to field position. And the largest exchanges of field position always happen in the kicking game. And that's why your return teams and your cover teams are so important because they set the table for the offense and the defense. We actually talked to our kids about the fact that if you are on the kickoff team, you're you're on the starting defense because that's the first defensive play of the game. And the same thing if you're on the kickoff return team, you're on the starting offense because that's the first offensive play of a, of a series, certainly. So it's, it comes down to emphasis. I know when I first took my first special teams job in pro football, Coach Vermeil, who had started his career in pro ball as a special teams coach, told me that you know the biggest, most important thing for every young special teams coach is to get the buy-in of the head coach. And I remember when I was in Kansas City, <laughs> Coach Vermeil sat in every single special teams meeting. He never missed a special teams meeting. And that, when those players came in the room and they saw the head coach sitting in there, they understood that, that it was important. And I think that's really, really critical for all the young head coaches out there to understand that you need to support your special teams coach. You mentioned there that when you're working with special teams, you work with all phases of the game, whether it's linebackers that are on the special teams, wide receivers, running backs, whatever is on the special team unit. How uh, do you, you some, some guys maybe are veterans, some guys are just coming into the league and maybe they're just put on to, to develop their game a little bit, but how do you make sure, these guys are obviously on the roster, how do you make sure that they're hunger to just make that uh, starting unit rather than just be a special team player? You know, it's interesting because I've never ever seen a kid's football card at any level that says, you know, wedge buster or yeah. <laughs> on the team or, you know, they, they all aspire to that starting role. And, and But, again, the kicking game can be a transition for them from being a lower-level roster player or a rookie in, in pro football into a starting position. And you earn the trust of the position coaches when you make plays on, on, on special teams. And there have been a number of guys that started their careers on special teams and ended up being pro bowl players. Uh, because they developed, you know, they developed the skills that it takes to play their position, playing on the special teams. Because really, special teams is just an extension of offense and defense. You mentioned there are people going to the Pro Bowl after it, but somebody who is already a Pro Bowler and he's now down in Atlanta after spending most of his career in Chicago is Devin Hester, and he's actually looking to get a few more snaps in at wide receiver. 
Is that there something that you're surprised by later in his career that, uh, you know, being so prolific at the return game that he's now going to the wide receiver position a little bit for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, you know, they tried that experiment in Chicago with yeah. him, and uh, it didn't it didn't really work out so well. You know, Hester, I remember we played against him when he was a freshman at Miami, and it, the game was out of hand, and they put him back to return a kickoff late in the game, and Josh Kobe, who was our kicker, who's now kicking for the for the Jaguars, yeah. hit a line shot at him, and I think the ball came back to Scobie faster than he kicked it to Hester. <laughs> but that guy's a unique, unique talent, and I think certainly, you know, it was it was a tough day for Chicago when they let him go, and you know, made the decision to move in another direction. And you know, he, he gives Atlanta another weapon, and I'd like to see him, you know, finish his career on a strong note. One other player that's moving into special teams, one of the best defensive players in the National Football League, won the Super Bowl of Seattle last year, Earl Thomas. He's moving mm-hmm. back to return some punts. Is that something that came as a surprise to you, putting one of your best defensive players back there? Or is that something that you know you think whoever's best for the job should be returning the kicks? Well, you know what? It's interesting because there's a guy that's that's a extremely good defensive back, and then you expose him to the hits that a punt yeah. returner takes. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about that 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 was just kind of a you know a, sh- a thing for show during preseason. Mm-hmm. But they are actually going to let him go back and do it, and and. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll, he loves the guys that want to compete, and that guy wants an opportunity to prove he can play more than just as a defensive back and he can be an impact player for his team on, on returning punts. So I, I, I'm all for it, personally. Part of the special teams unit, sometimes players will get kept on a roster because they're so valuable on special teams. The roster mm-hmm. cuts were made just prior to the start of the season down to that final 53-man roster. How mm-hmm. often are you involved? I know you're up in Canada, but how much of a say does the special teams coordinator have on who stays? Maybe it's a 50-50 decision. Do you get the final call, Ken, and then and if he's going to be valuable to you as a special teams player? Well, you know, Colin, that's a, that's a kind of an individual thing based on each team does it a little bit differently. I know certainly when, when uh, I sat in and we were making the last cuts in Kansas City in 01, and, you know, uh, there were some guys that, that were on the bubble, and... You know, the, they weren't starters on defense and they weren't starters on offense, but they were guys that had value to Frank Gans, the special teams coach. And, and Frankie got up on the table and argued passionately for a couple of those guys. And, and uh, you know, it, it's amazing how, you know, people think that, okay, we'll just throw him out there. He'll be a special teams player. That's not, that doesn't work that way. It, there's a unique set of skills that a player has to possess. And, and most importantly, he has to be passionate about it because, caring about you doing your job well is is half the battle and you know i think that the really good teams always take into consideration what that guy's role will be in special teams i know we're sitting in a defensive staff meeting right now and you look at our defensive board and you know we're going to dress this weekend we're going to dress six will linebackers well Obviously, we're not going to play six-wheel linebackers, but five of those guys are going to have to be impact players on our special teams. And, you know, you'll dress an extra defensive back, and when it comes down to making a decision about which guy to pick, oftentimes it's what guy has the biggest responsibility or biggest role or biggest impact in the, in the kicking game, the ability to cover kicks and, you know, block on punt returns and those kinds of things. So it does, and, and a lot of guys, you know, there was a kid that played in, in the NFL from Rice, a guy named Larry Izzo, who's now coaching in the NFL, who played for the Patriots for years, was never going to ever play it down as a linebacker, but was a phenomenal special teams player. And, you know, <clears throat> those guys are very, very valuable to their teams. You know, Steve Tasker, who was a 
you know, has been voted, uh, made the final cuts to, to the Hall of Fame, yeah. made his career as, as a special teams guy, and his son is playing for us right now and is the same kind of guy his daddy was. And, you know, he came out of Northwestern, was a receiver that was too small, too slow uh, to really crack the lineup, but he was a great punt blocker and he was fearless and, you know, he carved out a tremendous career as a special teams player. Yeah, it's something I think it takes a, a special frame of mind as well to, to go out every day and put your body on the line for the special teams and, you know, trying to get into that starting lineup of the team. You're also, Jeff, going to be back in Sky Sports later this season, maybe around November time after you finish up your duties in Canada. Uh, will Coach's Corner be returning? I've seen that they're uh, hyping it up already. Yeah, it certainly will be, and we've got a tremendous new set. We've got a huge... Uh, touchscreen uh we're going to have much more access to the touchscreen during the broadcast and i talked to carl bauman our producer and he told me the the you know the plan that they have and i think it's going to be a phenomenal it's going to really really upgrade the broadcast and i think the fans and, and i think this is it's time now because the fans in the uk the fans in ireland the fans you know in scotland the, the fans in england the fans in Wales, they all now have a much better appreciation for the game. They, they, they're much more knowledgeable about the game. They want to learn the ins and outs, the little intricacies about the game. And that Coach's Corner thing has been a tremendous, tremendous success, and I look forward to expanding upon it and actually taking it on the road. Yeah, it's, I've said it to you before, and I'll say it again. It's uh, definitely something I think I haven't seen anyone do it as well as you have done it and how well it was produced with Sky Sports. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that this upcoming season. Jeff, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Hope to have you on again in the future. And make sure you tag that onto your CV about being the, the most uh, regular guest here at Overtime Ireland. I take great pride in that. <laughs> So uh, thanks once again for Jeff for coming on to the show. We've had him on a number of times. I mentioned that most times ever for a guest on the show is Jeff Reinbold. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Reinbold and really interacts with all the all the fans and followers asking him any questions about the game, being involved in it from a coaching perspective or just something to do with the NFL or anything else. Make sure you give him a follow. He'll be coming back onto your screens for Sky Sports NFL once the playoffs start here in the UK and Ireland. So. Great to have him back on the show, and a uh, really, really nice guy as always. He took time out of his busy schedule, as I mentioned, up there in the meeting room for the Tiger Cats, so a lot of fun talking to him, as always. DJ, I mentioned there was up a game uh, over the over the weekend down in San Diego, where I'm on holidays at the moment. The weather is incredibly hot. Let's get in and talk a little bit about the games, and we'll do that in the NFL News. Hi, this is former NFL offensive lineman Ross Tucker, the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, and you are listening to the Overtime Island Podcast. NFL News. So, DJ, I guess uh, one place to start, and that was the Seahawks versus the Chargers. Great game, and really, really entertaining, I must say. One of the best games I've been at yet in person, and uh, I mentioned the weather being incredibly hot. I think it's Really was a big advantage to the San Diego Chargers about more use that weather. And of course, they were playing in white on the day. And, you know, the Seahawks wearing that, the dark navy kind of black uniform. I think that took a bit of a toll on the, the heat, just uh, took a bit more of a toll on the on the Seahawks overall. Yeah, Colin, big performance by Philip Rivers in the game. 28 of 37, 284 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, San Diego in this game had two recovered fumbles, which was quite lucky for them. And then, of course, Percy Harvin dropped one on a, on a return of a kick, which gave a big advantage to San Diego. So, tail kind of the turnovers there and lots of interesting stuff going on in the game. But I have to say, 
Philip Rivers looked excellent. The, the Chargers looked good overall on defense in particular. And uh, I think uh, old man there, Antonio Gates, winding back the clock yet again and catching three touchdowns in this game was a really, really big game for him. So, overall, uh, you know, the, the Chargers fans was their first game at home. It was great to experience the atmosphere in the stadium. Very, very loud, particularly uh, 12 the end when it looked like, you know, they were going to save the deal on that there fourth down when uh, they got to Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch on that play. So, Overall, a great game. It was interesting when I got home. Nobody really realised in the stadium that Percy Harvin's run in the first half that went for a touchdown should have been overruled as what was out of play, but nobody in the stadium really caught on to that at the time. And I'm surprised that none of the refs think there was a ref quite close to it. But overall, great to see the, the Super Bowl champions in action. And uh, I was thoroughly impressed with, with the Chargers. I'm sure Damien Brennan down there in Dublin will be uh, really, really happy with what they had come with us. So, big Chargers fan. During the game, DG, you'll know that uh, I was looking for constant updates on the, the score in the Packers game. Was, uh, it wasn't looking too good at the start. Nice I went into the stadium uh, quite a bit behind, and overall, I was delighted with the, the outcome in the end. Coming back, they, they were down early against the Jets, made a comeback, and Jordan Nelson with a monster game, and Rogers was quite a good game. And the big talking point each in this one, I guess, was that fourth down when the timeout was called by the New York Jets. Um, overall, you know, disappointing for them. Geno Smith converting the fourth down into a 36-yard touchdown, but between Martin Morningwig and Sheldon Richardson, there appears that you know a timeout was called and the correct decision was made by the officials I would have tied the game up with just a few minutes ago but the Packers then uh, took over and sealed out the game so I was delighted with that result and Jordy Nelson really helped me this week in my uh, fantasy league so happy with that one and I'm sure it leaves you to close eye on the, on the Patriots game Yeah Callum major turnaround from last week's performance for the Patriots getting 30 points on the board this week the Vikings without Adrian Peterson who will talk about later the reasons behind him missing the game but very impressive performance by the Patriots offense and defenses this week. Yeah, there were some uh, great performances, particularly on defense. Uh, for Collins had a tremendous game as soon as the uh, interception on the highlights last night and a uh, very, very athletic play. And, you know, it's uh, second year. He looks like he's going to be a real talent for them. Uh, overall, they, you know, they started slow, obviously, after they had to get that early touchdown. But after that there, they really racked up, racked up the pressure and got the, had a really good, solid game overall. The buses here travelling by as I stand outside. Overall, these are great performance by the Patriots. And, uh, you know, the only thing you take away, were you surprised at the, the lack of use, obviously, of Gronk and, you know, Brady not throwing the ball quite as much as maybe some would expect? Good running game going all the same. Yeah, I think Gronk's probably still carrying a knock or two and they're trying to gradually ease him back into the season. The running game... They were quite reliant on it this week, except for when Chandler Jones managed to block a field goal and return it for fifty a 58-yard return from the field goal and ended up getting it. Yeah, that, was, that was a big swing in momentum. That was a big swing in momentum. As you mentioned, they're blocking it. That would have been a three-point for them. Then they took it back to touchdown. So a 10-point swing just before halftime, really kind of iced the game and Really, that there end of the con, end of the, the special of the contest. But another uh, a good one for you after that result last week against Miami. And guess talking about Miami, DJ. How do we think these Buffalo Bills are going to do two and with the top of the division? Uh, how, how are you starting to think about EJ Manuel and company now? Yeah, as I mentioned with Russ Goldman when he was on the show last week, this is yet another week for teams like the Bills to take a picture off. The, the division standings because it's probably the only time this season the Bills will be top off the division 
Yeah, well, I have to say, now, DJ, the one team, it's the biggest surprise, I think, of the season so far. I think everyone is expecting them to be down at the bottom of that division to really struggle and be kind of looking around for that number one overall pick next season. And, you know, they would have been trading that away to the Browns. But they've really put a, a big start into it. And Sammy Watkins had a big game yesterday, of course, big kind of breakout as a, as a wide receiver in his rookie year. And EJ Manuel kind of keeping it simple again. But very, very disappointed this week in the Dolphins after such a positive result last week against your New England Patriots. But, you know, this division shaping up to be a very interesting one. I still expect the Patriots to pick up, you know, push your head and progress as, as they go forward. But just uh, with Grant, you know, he had a few last snaps this week than he did the week before. So hopefully he's on the on the road to recovery and there's nothing more to it other than that. But a lot, a lot of injuries he's over the entire league picked up this week. We, we might talk about some of them now as we go through the rest of the games. Yeah, Colum and the New Orleans Saints suffered a major blow. Mark Ingram, the running back. Going to be out for about a month with a broken hand and their terrible start to the season continued in week two. Yeah, they do. This was a huge, huge shock. Uh, the Saints going down to the Cleveland Browns and Brian Hoyer getting the job done here. You mentioned Mark Ingram broke his hand. He had been one of the kind of bright spots for the New Orleans Saints and then obviously Drew Brees and, and Jimmy Graham combined together to get them back into the game, kind of give them a fighting chance. They actually got into the lead just shortly before the end, but the Cleveland Browns got that game on a good goal. After say these the this year's another one, you know, I mentioned the Bills been two and for the sense of the O and two after the first two games is really surprising to me as well. And you know, you've seen again they're struggling on the road this year again. Whether they'll get back to the dome and start to dominate again, I still was expecting to pick up but the Panthers uh, will be talking to them. I'm sure they've won their first two games now, got Cam Newton back this week. They're top of that division two and then you have the Saints down at the bottom of it, O and two and you know the Bucks lost yeah, again as well, which is O and two as well for them. So you know, the, the, the Panthers, although many people expected them to regress, including myself, they look to be a, a team that's going to be hard to beat for that division. So, disappointing stuff for uh, in New Orleans Saints fans listening to a number of disappointments these and you have to include the New York Giants and that lost again yesterday to Arizona. Arizona 2-0 and in their division. And, you know, it's just uh, a lot of a lot of shots coming up so far. I expected Arizona to be good, but, you know, we, we've seen the, the, the preseason with the Giants. They didn't look like they were doing great, although they were winning their games, but very, very disappointing. Eli Manning hasn't had improved uh, in this game. Looked a lot better than he did in week one, but still a long, long way to go for the Giants team to improve. A number of other teams, DJ, that you've been looking around at, obviously. We were all very impressed last week with the Detroit Lions, but this week now they really, really struggle to mention them playing the Panthers, and the Panthers' defense looked good even without Greg Hardy playing, so a lot of a lot of ups and downs, and we'll see this weekend, week out in the season, we'll be picking our winners for every game or losers for every game and we're probably wrong more often than not and may as well when I wasn't on the show the last week DJ I picked uh, the Bears to win their week one contest against the Buffalo Bills as my lock of the week and uh, I thought they were terribly wrong as did most people any survivor pools or last man standing games a lot of people knocked out in all the leagues over the head of the Chicago Bears last week but they picked up a win against the 49ers and won but the 49ers luck to be cruising to a victory up until Brandon Marshall had an extremely athletic catch, one-handed touchdown grab near the end of the first half. Like, you know, the Bears and on to win that one on Sunday Night Football. Surprising result for me. Blew it and uh, disappointing performance overall by, by the 49ers team. Was there any other teams, DJ, this week that uh, overall impressed you or didn't impress you? You know, call them the Baltimore Ravens bounced back from the off-the-field issues they had in the last number of weeks. The whole Ray Rice saga and they bounced back with a 26-6 to six victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Good performance from Joe Flacco in this Yeah, they just say, the Steelers really didn't turn up and the Ravens promised they must be 
motivated by the factor of you know what had been on the play race but you know they kind of they said after the game John Hardwell said they put themselves into a kind of a cocoon and stayed away from all the news and you could see when they played they you know really really determined and a good performance overall by them Minnesota Vikings have reactivated running back Adrian Peterson and he's apologised now but he's stated that he can't go into the facts of the Penton case against him are the NFL doing the right thing by allowing him to continue playing? It's a really big talking point to you worldwide obviously but particularly here in the New York it's kind of being covered by every news channel but I know you have to say that the uh, Peterson also been deactivated. We see that some of the teams now, with what happened with Ray Rice, are kind of trying to be proactive and make a decision. But the league will vary on how they'll come down on this. But again, it looks like they want to let the, the situation develop, let see what the police do. But you know, um, a lot of t- the pictures have come out, obviously, and some people may have seen them, some people not. But quite graphic images, and you know, disciplining your own child—that's all well and good. But then maybe he may have taken a step too far, and it's. It's going to be interesting to see how that's just handled. It was a terrible week to do last week for the NFL from a PR perspective in particular with like what happened with Ray Rice and so on and so forth. And you know, people have been talking about it as the worst week in the history of the NFL from a PR perspective. And when you think back to the last offseason DJ with the number of arrests and of course with the Art Hernandez, you know, the murder investigation and so on, it really puts into perspective of how bad a week it was last week for the NFL. But I think in general, um, maybe this, uh, we'll see how this goes on and you know it's a police investigation so there's a lot more to it than uh, me you'll be able to decide but I think overall it's a fine line and it's one that's tough for the league and the teams to, to go on we've seen with Ray Rice people have said it was not enough of a punishment at the start of the two games and now we see you know wrap around the pun just uh, we'll have to leave it in the league's hands and the team's hands but if the evidence has come out since maybe holding him out of this next game would have been the right decision too but the Vikings have taken the step to activate him some other injury news details in the last uh, last weekend's games, and you mentioned Mark Ingram earlier. The Redskins got a convention win, but that was with Kirk Cousins at the centre. RG3 got injured the early start of this game, the minimum six days a week. So more news is developing all the time. And his rookie year, just at the playoff game against Seattle, when he tore the ligaments his right knee, obviously was working his way back. He hasn't been great all the same, but you know we all wanted to see him back at his best, and he got the rookie of the year that year for the offensive side of the ball. Just disappointing that it's kind of hasn't worked out from since. And, Kirk Cousins looked good. He, you know, played the game as well as he could. And it's interesting to see now if Kirk Cousins continues to play well. What will happen with RG3 when he returns? So disappointing there for them. So DJ's time is off the essence this week. Um, but I'm over here and you're at home, and you've lots of college work, obviously, to do. We'll be back to our normal routine from next week on. So we didn't really get to preview any of next week's games, but just due to time constraints, we're going to just do that quick recap of the previous week's game. So until next week when. We'll be back with another guest, and I'll be back in Ireland, and we'll have better audio quality, hopefully. (laughs) My name's Colin. And I'm DJ. And until next week, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.